Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a football Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And there is a little extra pep in my step kicking off this Friday show because the books cleaned out and the Miami Dolphins just shot the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm trying to figure out, quite frankly, where in God's name has that Dolphin defense been? All year, from the secondary locking down guys to the pressure to Javon Holland. I mean, they played their asses off against Baltimore. They basically ran a cover zero the entire game. And the Ravens, with the exception of extended garbage time, had no answer for it. It was one of those games, though, for about two and a half quarters. You're wondering, all right, when are we going to get some offense? And... Watching Jacoby Brissett play quarterback, I said two with a broken finger or whatever. I'd rather see him at that point than Jacoby Brissett. Now, it looked a lot more gruesome than it actually appeared because you had Brissett doing all sorts of knee shakes on the sideline. Did I find it puzzling that the Dolphins didn't play two against the Texans, didn't start him against the Ravens, yet he's active, and he ends up coming into this game? Yeah, it was a little wacky. And it absolutely was a little bizarre. But know this. Tua's hand was clearly messed up in this game. Say what you want about him as a prospect. 
Say what you want about his arm strength. Say what you want about his durability. He's an accurate thrower of the football. And that opening drive, he came in, and it was pretty obvious. Yeah, the hand, the, the finger, whatever, it's clearly not there. But ain't no place. Game was wacky, though. I mean, you had that offensive lineman uh, get a screen pass that I'm thinking he's eligible. He's not eligible. You had that going on. You had a defensive touchdown. You had a lapse in coverage, which basically won the game for Miami with Albert Wilson setting up the game-winning touchdown. And I think, forget about my team for a minute. I'm getting they won a game. They gave me a moment. It's still been a rotten, vile, miserable season. And yes, I might have been fantasizing about playoff scenarios with the guys right before we started because the AFC is so bad. They're only two and a half games out of a playoff spot. Listen, we could dare to dream. Forget about that. That's just me being delusional. This is yet another example of how damn wide open the AFC is this season. Who do you love in the AFC? I just saw Buffalo lose to Jacksonville. I just saw Baltimore lose to Miami. Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. Kansas City is not the same team. The Chargers don't play like a defense. The Browns struggle to score. The Bengals aren't ready. Honest question, who do you like right now over halfway through this year in the AFC? You'd probably say Tennessee as of right now. Watch Tennessee going loose in New Orleans. Here's what I've learned about the AFC in 2021. I have no freaking idea what to expect and what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks. So it's going to lead to a whole lot of chaos. It's going to lead to a whole lot of insanity and just buckle up. That would be my advice to everybody out there. Buckle the hell up. Speaking of the buckle up scenario, I'm giddy about the fact that we are going to get yet another week of the Mike White experience. And if you were out at Jet Camp this week, between the Jet defensive coordinator talking up Mike White, the idea of Mike White saying he feels like he's the number one pick in the draft, you got all the Jet teammates when he's walking around the locker room, they're chanting, Mike White, Mike White, Mike White. Make no mistake. He has developed this sort of cult-like love within the locker room and within the fan base. He won the Cincinnati game. Looked good when he was out there against Indianapolis before the injury. and. Now he will take on a ticked-off, angry Buffalo Bills team that's coming off a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think the Jets are handling this quarterback situation properly, and they're handling it the right way. Ease Zach Wilson back onto the football field. I am not rushing to get Zach Wilson back out there with the way he looked and with the way Mike White has looked, because clearly White, has had much more of a command and has just simply been the far more confident and competent quarterback. I am sticking with this sort of you know phenomenon, this craze, until it kind of runs out. Now, it's very possible it's going to run out in crash and burn fashion. So I just want Jeff fans to be aware of that and know that is a real thing. Like, could it happen this week against Buffalo? Sure. Could it happen the following week against, all of a sudden, a upstart Miami Dolphin defense? Sure. It's going to happen at some point. But 
The Jets have moved the ball over the last two weeks better than they had at any point throughout the year. Elijah Moore came alive. Carter, two weeks ago against the Bengals, came alive. Now you get the return of Corey Davis, who's going to play in this game. My expectation for the Jets going into Sunday, go and compete your asses off. Go fight. I don't expect a win. You tell me Buffalo is now going to lose two games in a row to the Jaguars and the Jets. It is the NFL. It is a wacky year. It is the AFC. I still don't think that will end up being the case. But the Jets have been in a lot of these games, not named New England so far this year. Even the Indy game. And I know that all too well, holding a seven and a half ticket last week. I had to sweat that one out. I had to, you know, basically get on my hands and knees praying for a cover praying for an interception over the final couple of minutes of the game. The Jets have a spirit about them. They have a fight about them, which you got to admire, which you got to respect. For the time being, let this craze, let this sensation kind of run its course. So if you're wondering, have the Jets handled this the right way? Now, I don't know if they handled it right as far as taking Zach Wilson. The jury's out on that. We'll get our answers to that question over the weeks, months, and years ahead. But for the time being, play Mike White. He's ready to play. He's playing well. Let him go and lose the job. That's kind of the way I see it. Let it get to a point where it's so obvious, where it's so clear, where you're like, you know what? All right. I think it's time. And trust me when I say this. You'll know. Sometimes in life, it's just that obvious. In many different elements career, relationships, you name it, the quarterback, you'll know. You'll know if this is real or if the clock is about to strike me. We're still a couple of weeks away from anything happening in Major League Baseball. And look, the whole CBA, I'm not wasting any time on it today because I don't want to bore you guys. It, first of all, it's going to be disgusting. Second of all, it's going to take forever. And I don't even know if they'll have an agreement between now and December. I would say they probably don't. But as Brian Cashman is meeting with the media over the last few days, the hot-button topic that was brought up was involving a guy who was, in many ways, a part of public enemy number one. And no, I'm not referencing Jose Altuve, but I am referencing free agent shortstop Carlos Correa because he's been outspoken in support of the Astros and his teammates. He has been very defiant when you go back a couple of years ago about some of the allegations that were brought out. And Brian Cashman was asked, you got a lot of guys on your team pretty salty about what happened with the Astros. Could you envision Carlos Correa and the New York Yankees being a thing? Here was Brian Cashman's answer. So obviously what occurred in the past, you know, which is obviously part of that, um, Background in the player's case, and that's certainly not part of that initial uh, process. Who would be part of the process moving forward? Like any, I, I guess, all time will tell. You know, uh, again, I, I'm just trying to get information. The bottom line is, he a, is he a great player? The answer to that is yes. Uh, he's a free agent, so my job is to assess uh, him as well as the others that are available, and then. Um, and then act accordingly. So, you know, that obviously involves all aspects. So players' medical, their performance, their personalities, their history, all those things are 
you know, play a part clearly mm -hmm. on every individual player. You try to get as much information as you can. Some very public and obvious, some are less. But, and then you press them out with available people and how it might fit your payroll structure in that particular given year. Let's get this out there. Carlos Correa would fit the Yankees beautifully. And is he my number one choice for a free agent shortstop? No, Corey Seager is that guy. Because he's lefty, and I think he would just fit the lineup perfectly. But I will be giddy if the Yankees go and sign Carlos Correa. Giddy. And you want to know why? Carlos Correa is a badass. Carlos Correa has swagger, has attitude that is desperately lacking from this New York Yankee team. I think the Yankees, simply put, need more players with an edge in some way, shape, or form. I think they have too many nice guys on the team. I really do. I think they have a lot of likable guys. I think they have a lot of good dudes. They have too many nice guys. Do I think they could use a badass or two in that Yankee clubhouse? 1,000%. Teams in the 90s had that. Wade Boggs had swagger. Paul Neal had swagger. Posada had an edge about him. Chino had an edge about him. I think this team is lacking. I would move past the whole cheating nonsense so fast, it's not even fun. First of all, Derek Cole's on the team. That's number one. Number two, he's really good. He makes you a better team. Get on board. Simple as that. The Yankees brought Roger Clemens to the team after he was drilling Derek Jeter and Chuck Knobloch. Remember, they brought Clemens to the team. Jeter and Knobloch, spring training, they had like catcher's equipment on, basically messing around with him, saying, oh, we got to watch ourselves. The Yankees signed Johnny Damon. Looked like Jesus. Game seven home run. Soul crushing 2004 Boston Red Sox. They signed Johnny Damon. I think that worked out pretty well. These relationships change so fast. You can get over things so quickly. I'm not worried about that. And it's not like the Yankees have this clubhouse and have this team that has done all this winning over the last couple of years. You know, if the Yankees had won two of the last four World Series, then maybe I'd look at it differently. But guess what? They haven't. If they can get guys who can be difference makers on this team, I'd welcome them with open arms. And I know some Yankee fans aren't going to like to hear this. Too freaking bad. If the Yankees go and sign Carlos Correa, I am going to support the move, and I'm going to applaud the move. Even if it's not my number one choice, it's a 1A shortstop. Carlos Correa is a winning player, period. Let that marinate over the next couple of weeks. Am I going to have any problem welcoming Carlos Correa to the Bronx? Hell freaking no. And one last thought here before we get to voicemails. One last thought. The Knickerbockers have a problem. And I think for a lot of us, it comes as a surprise, but it really shouldn't when you think about the complexion of the offseason. The Knicks right now are just playing subpar defense. Not only from what we saw last year, they're playing subpar defense, period, when you look around the NBA. I think Pat Connaughton just hit another three last night that killed them against the Milwaukee Bucks. Their three-point defense has not been good enough. Their overall team defense has not been good enough. And 
yesterday, the starting lineup was horrendous. You got a spark from Derrick Rose. You got a spark from Quickly and Alec Burks. I love the fact that Tom Thibodeau stuck with the bench players. It's an early season NBA game. In a playoff scenario, I look at that differently. I'm getting my guys back out there. Regular season, sometimes you got to send Sicilian messages throughout your basketball team. I, I, I do believe in that. And I think Tibbs maybe was going with a little bit of a Jedi mind trick there, saying, hey, Julius, RJ, you guys are off tonight. These guys are busting their ass. These guys are playing a lot better. I, I'm going to reward them. I'm going to let them try and go and win the game. He did. They ultimately fell short. I think a question a lot of Knicks fans are going to have, do you shake up the starting lineup? Meaning, do you insert Derrick Rose in for Kemba Walker? Or do you insert a guy like Emmanuel quickly, potentially? Maybe it's Burks. Knicks getting off the slow starts is going to open up that sort of conversation. I, for one, don't like the idea of starting Derrick Rose. Because I like him coming off the bench. I think it's perfect. Because I think you're running most of your offense through Randall and through Barrett anyway to start these games. Rose comes in. Obviously, with quickly, you got that punch of instant offense. And at the end of these games, listen, we know Derrick Rose should be causing these games over Campbell Walker. He's just looked like a far superior player. He looks like a guy who just has far more gas left in the tank. Lineups are going to change over the course of a year. Tibbs is going to get a flow of what he likes and what he doesn't. I'm not going to get nuts with the starting lineup yet. But at the end of these games, and this is what I always preach with NBA lineups, it's not about who starts these games. It's about who's going to finish these games over the final five minutes. Now, you don't want to be in a position where those final five minutes mean absolutely nothing. But to me, it's about what your finishing lineup is for the Knickerbockers. And on a normal night, your finishing lineup is going to include Randall, Barrett, Rose. All three of those guys are going to be out there. Fournier is going to be out there most nights if you need offense. And then you're going to probably have a big out there. Now, you want to swap Fournier for quickly. You want to swap Fournier for Kemba Walker or Burks. You can do that. Randall, Barrett, Rose. Those are the guys I need on the floor and in these games. Loaded show. Joe B will join us. Arthur Caesar will grade our picks. A three and two week for yours truly. A one and four for Beningo. So I'm back even. This is like the race in the AFC for the final wild card spot. Nobody is exactly distinguishing themselves, but everybody is very much alive. So our old school, new school challenge. We got Jason Katz with fantasy advice. And I played Mike Kosicki. I told you he'd score in the same game parlay. Eh, that didn't go particularly well, but I hope you're on the Dolphins plus seven and a half. We got you covered every which way. Loaded New York, New York. Oh, yeah. I'm in good spirits. Voicemail up next. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. Voicemail time and an interesting week. The NFL is wide open. The Knickerbockers getting ready for the Hornets on Friday night. And I am so fired up, by the way. 
The guys and I are going to Nick's Magic on Wednesday. That is going to be like our end of the year soiree. It's like my Christmas present way too early. Uh, I'm still trying to finalize the dinner reservations. They're going to be good. Uh, I know the guys are expecting a very high standard when it comes to that. So I'm going to try not to suck as far as picking a place. And, you know, the Knicks have been lousy at home. Uh, I think that's got to change when Stefan and I are there. And, you know, Saruti, listen, it is your first Madison Square Garden experience, but that doesn't mean you need to be treated to a win, okay? First game, first game at Madison Square Garden. I've seen concert there, but I've never seen a Knicks no, game, no, no. so I'm very excited. Different vibe, different experience. The only thing that compares to it, by the way, is a Syracuse game. That's the only thing that comes close. Well, uh, yeah, okay. I, I, the um, range of bet is going to like the hand but there. it's like Nick game and then Syracuse <laughs> six overtime game, you know? I'm just excited you guys get to see Franz Wagner in person, uh, live live up in personal, because that dude has been balling. And hey, listen, uh, Magic already beat the Knicks at the Garden, so we'll see. Well, see if they can let's make not it make two. it two, please. I mean, you can't lose to the Magic twice at all. <laughs> Once is bad enough, you cannot lose to them twice. Now, voicemails, 917-382-1151. Hopefully, I will deliver just like I'm going to deliver for the guys in the next couple of days. All right, let's let it off. Who's up? JJ, what up? Matt and Rockland. Uh, Tough Nick loss tonight. Uh, it, it seems like every it's same pattern after every loss. They give up close to 110 points. There's always a guy having a career night from three against them, and not for nothing. But this Kemba Walker stinks. This guy's not even close to the type of player he was. Uh, listen, it's early in the season. You're going to dissect every single game, and you know, season's long. Going to be a lot of swings, but. I don't like what I'm seeing as far as every single night, guy goes nuts from three. They give up over 110 points and getting terrible play out of their point guard position. At least last year with Peyton, who stunk, at least he played defense. If Kemba's going to have nights like this and play no defense, they're in big trouble. So just want to see what you think. Love the show. And I will certainly be calling on Sunday with my betting picks. Later, bro. You know, it's amazing. I never thought in a million years I would get a call from a Nick fan basically longing for the days of Alfred Payton. It's kind of crazy that I just got that phone call right about now. The Knicks defense was not make or break because of what Alfred Payton brought to the table. Now, you want to tell me the loss of Reggie Bullock is being felt? I, I can understand that. Bullock is a pretty darn good two-way player and he was a terrific, terrific defender. But, this is why I'm going to continue to defend the Knicks and what they did this offseason. You watched that series against Atlanta. We all did. We were all dialed in. We were all fired up to have playoff basketball back in our life. The Knicks couldn't make a shot. They had nobody from the outside who could make something happen. They didn't shoot it well enough. Fournier, Walker, those are guys who can, at times, get hot and get going. And I totally understand the limitations of Kemba Walker as a player. Derrick Rose is a better point guard. Nobody's going to fight you on him. He's a flat-out better point guard. You want to see him play, especially at the end of these games. But if you look at the minutes, Derrick Rose is playing 30 minutes a night. Kemba Walker is playing 18 minutes. That's why the idea of getting worked up on who's starting and who's not don't waste as much time with it. It's about who's finishing these games. And, you know, when I was thinking about the big, who's going to finish a lot of these games, Poppin playing with Randall, I really don't have a problem with. 
And Toppin is off to a really nice start this season. He's making things happen. He's clearly very athletic. He's getting more and more comfortable as each game goes along. Feeling good about Obi Toppin's game. Very, very good about his game. Nick's defense got to shape up. It's got to get better. Hopefully that starts Friday night against uh, LaMelo and the Hornets. Hopefully it's not another random dude from three who's hitting seven or eight that's going to kill you. Can't have that. That has happened way too often for the Knicks this year. Ricky Rubio, Pat Connaughton. A couple more examples that are eluding me. I'm sure I could think of more, but you know what? My brain is a little frazzled. I was waiting for Saruti to start screaming somebody from the Magic. Saruti, who was the guy on the Magic that hit all the threes that killed him? Was it, uh, who, hold on, who was Terrence Ross, right? It was Terrence Ross. It was Terrence Ross. The only, uh, the only good Terrence Ross performance of the season. There you go. I remember. It, it took me a little while to get going. It took me a little while to get going, but there you go. The Terrence Ross game. There we go. All right, who's up next? Hey, JJ. It's Will from Chelsea. Our uh, good friend, Phil from Los Angeles, was talking about how John Morant was uh, a little too good last year to be in the most improved player conversation. But my question is, where is R.J. Barrett? R.J. Barrett should totally be in this conversation. So many reasons. Obviously, points per game are way higher than last year. Efficiency is way up. But most importantly, from the eye test perspective, it's pretty clear to me that RJ has a new role on this team with Randall stepping back a little. I really think that he should be in the most improved player conversation. All right. Thanks, JJ. Big fan. Talk soon. Well, I appreciate that. It's, it's way too early to be having these conversations basically a month in the season. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the all-star break. Can we let the season marinate a little bit? I don't love the idea of putting John Moran in a most improved player category. I, I, for one, do not. I, because I think he's already a megastar. I will get that award for guys who are, like, kind of emerging onto, like, an all-star type of level. Like Julius Randle last year. Julius Randle is exactly the sort of candidate I'm looking at for most improved player. Morant, what, Morant going from being an all-star to, like, a megastar? No, no, no. I, I, that, that's where the most improved title kind of loses me a little bit. But before we get into any of the candidates, let's – let the season marinate a little bit, shall we? I mean, it's it's November the 12th, for goodness sakes. You played, what, a month of basketball? No awards. No awards. Please. Who's next? Hey, JJ, this is John in White Plains. I was looking up the, uh, the last time the Jets had a quarterback throw for 400 yards and actually won the game because everyone's talking about that game from 20 years ago with Vinny. Uh, it was actually one of the worst losses they ever had. So you got to go back to Vinny again in 98. Uh, it was the game against the Seahawks. I don't know if you remember the one he got tackled at the goal line. Refs called it a touchdown. He, he didn't actually score the touchdown, but the Jets win. They end up putting replay back in, I think, the, the next year after that. So I'm like, that's not, they technically didn't even really supposed to win that game. So when was the last time they really won a game where a guy had 400 yards and a touchdown? I think you got to go back to 86, or is that O'Brien Marino game? So, I mean, that's just how crazy a game that Mike White had. You got to go all the way back to almost that Marino O'Brien game that every Jet fan has probably brought up to a million fucking times. For that was just how crazy uh, the performance was for Mike White. And I think he does have to start uh, at least this week, hopefully. You referenced two of the craziest Jet games I can remember in my years of growing up. That 98 game is the reason we have instant replay. It was against Seattle. I believe Vern Lundquist was doing the game against Dennis Erickson and Seattle Seahawks. 
Vinny's tackled at the one-yard line. They call it a touchdown. The Jets win the game. Erickson basically gets fired. And the following year, he had instant replay in the NFL. Then the 400-yard Vinny Testaverde game was, believe it or not, the first time a young John Jastrzemski discovered Joe Beningo. Because I was, on Christmas night, struggling to fall asleep, put the radio on, and I heard this lunatic yelling and screaming about the Jets screwing up a playoff spot, losing on Christmas Eve to the eventual Super Bowl champion, Baltimore Ravens. That was a game they put up 400 yards of offense, but they had a pick six. I think a kick return or a punt return from Jermaine Lewis was returned. It was in the category of Oda Payne jet losses. It was an Oda Payne jet loss, you know? It's crazy to think the Jets did not have a 400-yard passer for all that time. And I think the intrigue around the franchise currently is, is this real? Is this legitimate? And does this quarterback just grasp the concepts of what LaFleur and the offense is looking to do much more than the second overall pick in the draft? White right now is far more confident, and he's looked a lot better running this offense. So for the time being, I don't think you'll find a Jet fan out there who is upset with the way they're handling the quarterback position. They're doing it the right way. Folks, there are plenty of times we can get on the Jets for screwing it up. They are not screwing it up here. They're making the right call by starting Mike White on Sunday. Who's next? JJ, this is Jared in Jersey. I got a call in after this disaster with Sandy Alderson's press conference and the reports that they're going to sign this guy, Adam Cromie, who's been out of baseball since 2017. I got to say, when Steve Cohen came here, I had 10 out of 10 confidence they were going to turn around. Even after they failed to get a president of baseball operations last year, still 10 out of 10 confidence they were going to get someone this year. Even after the big three of Epstein, Bean, and Stearns are no-goes this offseason, still wasn't worried. I thought they'd get someone. But as this was dragged on, and then now with the reports that they're going to get some guy that's been out of baseball for five years, oh, my goodness. This feels like Adam Gase-level hire. And I really thought the same old Mets, Will Ponian Mets, would be gone with Steve Cohen in charge because why wouldn't it? It's a new ownership, new people. It wouldn't make any sense for the disaster to continue, but what do you know? Here we are, and we're hiring somebody from the bottom of the barrel to be our GM while everyone else in baseball is laughing at us. What a disgrace. I got nothing else to say. I hope I'm wrong on this, but this feels like a disaster in the making, a dumpster fire, and oh boy, we're in for a long year. And if he gets fired after this year, who's going to want the job next year? Because it's going to be the same thing as this year. So, oof. Tell me I'm wrong. Console me. Help me out here. Because I've got only negative thoughts on this piece. I understand the negative thoughts. And I think there were a lot of Mets fans. And I'm not a Mets fan, but I put myself in this category that thought the presence of Steve Cohen would immediately just turn over and change the culture of the organization at the snap of a finger. I was gravely mistaken. And the biggest problem the Mets are running into, you have Sandy Alderson, who's been around baseball for a long time. These top general manager candidates 
Not that I ever thought Theo Epstein was taking a job. Not that I ever thought Billy Bean was taking a job. But even a guy like David Stearns, for example. Why exactly are they going to want to go and work under Sandy? That's a major problem. Because I think top candidates are going to say, hold on a second now. I'm a top candidate. I want to go run my team my way, period. Alderson's sticking around. He's hanging around. He's like this overarching factor within the organization. No bueno. You're not getting the best of the best. Now, am I to say that it's not going to work out? I can't say that with certainty. Am I as confident as I would have been if you hired a Bean or a Stearns or a guy with a legitimate track record? Hell yeah. There's a much different feel and a much different look around the New York Mets. Now, before Mets fans are just totally up in arms about the offseason, know this. You're in a position with your ownership group where you can go and attack problems in a much different way. You've got a lot more at your disposal. You can up the ante when you need to up the ante and realize that there are a lot of problems that need to be addressed. you got to decide. Syndergaard, keeping him. I'm fine with Syndergaard back on the qualifying offer. I'm not his biggest fan. I think he sometimes is a little bit too much. Look at me, look at me. But the stuff is there. And for one year, $17 million commitment with Steve Cohen's budget, I got no issues. Conforto, I'd say thanks for the memories. Time to go. Conforto, way too streaky. I am not giving him $17 million. Good thing he doesn't want the qualifying offer. And I'd let him go get a long-term contract somewhere else. Now, understand this with Conforto. He could go somewhere else and play well. But I think for the Mets to change the vibe and change the feel of their team, he's got to go. Because he's one of the changes they can make. The Mets should be in on Chris Bryant. The Mets should be in on Castellanos. And I think the Mets should be in on Carlos Correa. That's my hot take that I think a lot of Mets fans are going to be like, holy shit, did JJ just say this? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Because I said it on Baseball Night in New York a couple of days ago. I would rather have Carlos Correa on the Mets than Javi Baez. He's a better player. He's a winning player. I'd move him to third base. Because I think ultimately that's where his future is going to be anyway. He's a big dude. He's got the relationship with Francisco Lindor. He's more consistent than Baez. Baez to me is just way too hot and cold, way too up and down. I don't think the Mets will do that, but I would prioritize that. Both teams have very interesting off-seasons. And both teams, I think, are going to be very, very active. The Mets are going to spend. And the feeling I get around the Yankees, the Yankees are going to spend. I'll give you my Yankee shopping list next week. Not going to do it today. But I have like a five-point plan. I feel like I'm going to go present it like one of those nerd conventions, you know? I've always wanted to present at one of those nerd conventions. I'd go up there with no notes. I'd literally just wing it. I'd plan, but I'd wing it. That's how I, that's how I operate. Like, if I have things in front of me, I am totally, totally fucked. Like, I just am. Like, I don't operate that way. I'm one of those guys, like, I gave a best man speech, which was a ton of fun. And I was actually, believe it or not, I was super, super nervous for it. Like, when I do broadcasting, speaking engagements, this is, this is, you know, this is what I do. Like, this is me and my element. Whether you like me or not, I don't really give a shit. But this is me and my element. Like, just let it rip. I'm giving a speech, and I'm like, geez, this can't be about you for 15 minutes, number one. I heard that all the time from Cage. Don't make it about you. I didn't. I had some fun at my friend's expense, but I didn't make it about me. Number two, 
You got to make people laugh. You want to make them cry. You want to do all these wide-ranging emotions, and you don't want to go too long. Nobody wants the speech to be two minutes. Nobody wants the speech to be 15 minutes. Because sooner or later, get the hell out of there. But that was one where I was like debating. Do I write anything down? Do I do bullet points? Did a few bullet points. I was about to bring them up, and I said, nah, fuck it. I left the phone on the table, and I just let it run. Got to do what you do. Some people couldn't do that. Me, on the other hand, I think if I had the speech in front of me, I would have screwed it up. On that note, last and certainly not least. So, JJ, this is HP calling from sunny South Orange, New Jersey. Just wanted to know your thoughts on who you think is going to run the uh, Metro College basketball team this year. Know you're a huge guy. Uh, I'm a big Seton Hall supporter, so just pick up Kadari Richmond. Not a big Richmond, not a big fan at all. Mr. Beheim's comments about him think that's kind of pushed fucked up, but I think he's going to be a great addition to the hall this year. I'd also like your opinion on why St. John's fans think they're hot shit all of a sudden. Don't know what's going on with that. They've got some returning guys but really don't seem to be any better than they were last year. Thanks. Uh, talk to you later. I appreciate that. And listen, I'm fired off the college hoops. Happy birthday, buddy Beheim, by the way, who I think is going to be uh, one of the top stars in the sport. And I, uh, you know, after sitting through most of this Dolphin year, I've been counting down the days to Syracuse basketball. They're going to light it up. Um, I think if you're talking about Syracuse, St. John's, and Seton Hall, all those teams are pretty close. I think Syracuse is a notch above those two particular teams, but I think St. John's and Seton Hall can be NCAA tournament teams. They're like right three and four preseason in the Big East, and you're going to love Kadari Richmond. I'm bummed he's not at Syracuse anymore. He's athletic. He's got to adjust from playing the 2-3 zone now he's going to be playing exclusively man-to-man defense in Kevin Willard's system. But I think you're going to like Kadari Richmond a lot. He's a really talented dude. And so far, it's been absolute chaos in college basketball. I mean, chaos. Did anybody see how Arizona State lost today? Holy moly. You had that. You had Virginia going down to Navy. Sully Taylor, Levine. We love to see that. We don't hate to see that. We love to see that because I can't stand Virginia. It's funny because Taylor's one of my guys, one of my best friends. But you go to Virginia. You play that style of basketball. I wish you nothing but the worst. Two notes before we hit Joe B. NFL related. Why was there so much attention over the last 24, 48, 72 hours involving Odell Beckham Jr.? Honest question. Has anyone seen Odell Beckham Jr. play over the last few years? I mean, the last time Odell Beckham Jr. had a monster, monster season, we're going back to the Obama regime, the Obama presidency. That's like six, seven years ago. Longer than that, for goodness sakes. I can't even keep down. Beckham is not the same guy. And full disclosure, I have a Rams Super Bowl ticket. I don't feel better about my bet today. I feel worse about my bet today. Is Odell Beckham Jr. that much better than Van Jefferson? Honest question. Honest question. Because I'm not particularly sure about it. Now, maybe McVay, Stafford, all those veterans basically say, hey, Odell, come here. We got a job to do. Don't screw this up. And maybe he buys in knowing he wants to get that contract at the end of the year. Maybe that ends up being the case. I'm worried a guy like Beckham, who's not the number one or not the number two receiver on this team, is going to be saying, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Cleveland's offense, make no mistake, it's better without him. Did anybody watch them against the Bengals last week? I mean, I bet it. They're better without him. And I think they're going to play well against New England this week. I do. 
Beckham has this sort of exhausting nature around teams that he plays on. The guys may like him. They might. But there's this, like, level of exhaustion dealing with him all the time. It's tough to take. So I don't love that move for the Rams at all. That's number one. I do like the idea of Cam Newton going back to the Panthers. I think that's kind of cool. Listen, Sam Donald stinks. He's going to miss time. P.J. Walker, eh. Maybe a little revival for Cam Newton. I don't think he has much left on his arm, but he hasn't done much for the last couple months. That's a good roll of the dice as far as I'm concerned, but I think it signals more than anything. Carolina this offseason will be a monster, monster player for a quarterback. Whether that's in the draft, Deshaun Watson, you name it. Carolina is going to look to upgrade that position. And I don't love Teddy Bridgewater. If they could do it over again, would you rather have Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Donald? I think they'd probably rather have Teddy. Donald, what a flop. And Joe Douglas looking better and better. Getting a second-round pick. Sam, sign me up right now. Coming up next, old school, new school. We are dead even. Heading into week 10. Joe B joins us next. We now welcome in the great Joe Beningo. It's week 10 of old school and new school. And Joe, after a bunch of winning weeks and you paying homage to the great Dan Marino, week nine, my friend, was not too kind to the old school picks. From 10 and 5 to a 1 and 4 week nine. And now you and I are dead even at 19 and 26 wow. on the season. And we are, and boy, we, and we're not sitting here bragging about it either. No, no, we are not. We're not going too far. You know, even in the old days in, in the NBA playoffs, back, way back when, 19 and 26 isn't getting you in there. You know what I mean? So we have some work to do if we're going to mm. get these records okay. up to we're respectability. Trying. But before we do the picks, I got to know are you giddy? For the third week, even yes. though the oh, second yes. week was uh, no. very much interrupted, you are all in. Mike you are White. buying and Mike sipping White. the Mike no, White Kool-Aid. No. Mike okay. White play again. I will continue to say it. Mike White plays until he proves he can't. I mean, that to me, that really is is what it comes down to. Uh, he's the quarterback. There's no reason this kid can't sit. There's no reason that Zach Wilson can't. You know, it doesn't mean he's not going to be the quarterback in the future at some point in time. But right now, there's no question. And Salah is basically, you know, he knows it. He knew it all along. Uh, knows that the best chance to win is Mike White right now for this team. He, this offense has run much better when White's been in there. Even in the New England game, when they were getting killed, you could see the difference in just how they were moving the ball. He did a nice job with that. Now, I always go back to his first pass of his career as a touchdown pass. I mean, I, you know, it's unbelievable. But but the um, I, look, I, he's got to be the guy. I don't think it's it's a no-brainer. Right now, right now, Jay, it's, it's a no-brainer. Do you have concerns about Wilson seeing how efficient the offense has been run with White and even Josh Johnson second half against mm. the Colts, albeit in garbage time? Does that have you concerned now thinking about your future star quarterback potentially? No, I'm not concerned at all. I, I look at it as that, that the Jets now have have assets. They got two quarterbacks that may actually be starting quarterbacks in the league. I mean, I, I think that that's how, that's how I'm looking at it. I don't know how it's going to play out for Mike White. But I think Mike White has shown you he can play in the league. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't know if he's a legitimate starter yet. We don't know that yet. But we that's what it's all about to me. I want to find out what he is. And there's no reason you got to rush Zach Wilson. There's no reason. Look, if he sat the rest of the year, if he sat the rest of the year and White played, and, and you played it out with White, and then at the end of the year you got a decision who's going to be the quarterback, I, I think that's a good thing. 
I don't and you have to feel mistake. better about this offensive coordinator. We were roasting yes, him a couple yes, weeks ago. Yep, now, yep, all of a sudden, there's some creativity. You're yep, seeing some points on yep, the board. Yep, Jet yep. offense looks a lot better than it did two weeks ago. And there's no question about it. And I think part of it is that he's up in the booth. I mean, I think he wanted to be up in the booth all along. And from what I understand, and I don't know, look, I'm not uh, – the Jets are not having me be privy to anything. We know that. But, uh, you know, uh, I think Salah wanted him down, down on the sideline to be with the young quarterback. And, and I just – look. I think that's a part of it. I think he's calling a much more creative game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But, you know, White has run the offense much better than, than Zach has to this point. So let's let's play it out. Let's see. Joe, I'm going to take the honors after a winning week okay. in week nine. I'm going to start us up in week 10. And full disclosure, I had to scratch off a potential pick due to an injury. I was fully expecting to start the proceedings tonight with the New Orleans Saints plus the points right, because I right. think that line, that line stinks, stinks with Tennessee. Right, right, right. But the problem I have with that pick, if Kamara is not going to play, there's no way I'm going near that game. So here's where I'm going to start. Okay. I love bounce back for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas laying nine against the Atlanta Falcons. Dallas coming off a loss last week to the Denver Broncos. Atlanta coming off this big win at the New Orleans Saints. Yep. And I think some people are going to jump off the Cowboy bandwagon. I'm going to get back on it. Dak, a week, rested now, back in rhythm, back ready to rock after the injury. He clearly looked rusty last week. Don't think that'll happen again. Atlanta's defense stinks. I think that has margin victory written all over it. Dallas gets back to winning ways. I think they win by double figures. I'll take them in game one. Well, I'll tell you this. I think it's a big game for Dallas to prove what you just said. Because if, they, if Atlanta goes in there and wins, and, and if they do win, you know, they're going to win it on a last-second field goal by the kid from Ridgewood, New Jersey, Coup. Uh, You know, that's that's how they're going to win the game. But if they go in there and lose to Atlanta, now you're going to start to ask questions about just how legitimate Dallas is. I I, I just uh, – last week, that game to me, look, the, the division is basically over now. I mean, they got a four-game loss column lead in the division basically halfway through the season. Um uh, they need to win this game, though, to, for me to start to look at them again as a team that could be a Super Bowl team. So, a uh, big game for Dallas, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I got my – I wonder about that game. I wonder. We'll see. Okay, so you're not giving it an endorsement, but you're not picking that no. particular game. No. So, for your first no. pick this week, yes. where will we be headed, my friend? I'm going right to my team. I'm taking the I jet. knew it. I knew it. I, I almost teed you up because, listen, too- you got to understand something, folks. Joe and I have a conversation now Monday, like a little recap. It's like therapeutic in many ways. Normally, right, me bitching right, about right, the Dolphins, he right. bitching about the Jets. Joe told me on Monday, Jay, I love my team this week. So I, I knew do. you were heading in this direction. Well, let, let, let's let's look at the situation here. Now, number one, White's going to be the starter, which to me is a, a big plus. Corey Davis is back. He hasn't even played with White yet. The offense has moved the ball very well. I mean, the last couple of weeks, you know, they, even though they were getting killed in this game, they didn't really have the ball that much in the first half, but the way the defense was getting trampled by the Colts, you know, but they were able to, you know, they were basically able to move the football. You look at what happened against Denver. Denver kills them 26, nothing, whatever it is. They bounce back. They respond the next week. They come home. Everything's looking like they're not oh, they're going to win. They're going to win a game this year, Tennessee Titans, and they go out and beat Tennessee. They have this disaster now. Uh, you know, uh, last week they come come off the win against Cincinnati. Terrific, no doubt about it. After the disaster against the Patriots, okay. So the same thing. They get killed by Denver. They come home. They beat Tennessee. They get killed and embarrassed by the Patriots. They come home. They beat Cincinnati. Well, they got killed and embarrassed by the Indianapolis Colts again last week. I think I think it's a great spot for them to come home 
And I'm not saying they're killing Buffalo. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I'm getting, and in some places it's 13. Uh, in your deal here, I'm getting 12. I'm taking the points. I think they're going to play well. I, I, I they res- Just from what I'm saying, you know, what we've seen so far, when the Jets have been embarrassed, they've come back with a terrific home effort and beat two pretty good, pretty good teams. We don't know how good Cincinnati is yet, but we know Tennessee is pretty damn good. Maybe the best team in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry, they're pretty good. We saw what they did to the Rams last week. So I think the Jets, it, it worries me that the, that the Bills, you know, lost last week to Jacksonville. I would have much felt a lot better if uh, Buffalo had won last week. But still, I got a feeling. I don't know if Buffalo's so unbeatable. I don't know who the best team in the AFC is. We can make a case for 10 teams. Really, when you start breaking it down, who you think could be a Super Bowl team? So I don't know how good Buffalo is. Um, you know, I, I'm taking the Jets. I'm getting 12. Why not? I think they're going to play well here. I read, uh, you know, the, the early, the history so far of the Jets that we have seen this year tells me they're going to play well at home here. So I'm taking them plus 12. I don't hate it at all. Buffalo mm-hmm. struggled with my team a couple of weeks ago. Had to right, pull that right. game out in the fourth yep, quarter. Yep. Looked like garbage yep. against Jacksonville and absolutely deserved to lose that game. I wouldn't feel good about laying 12 points with the Buffalo Bills, but I am not going to pick the Jets because, listen, right now with dead even, I'm going to try to avoid the family plays when I can. So I'm going to avoid that game. Here's what I am going to do, though, Joe. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks plus three and a half against the Green Bay Packers. The return of Russell Wilson is a game changer for Seattle. Russell Wilson is one of the top five to six quarterbacks in football. I am getting three and a half points. And I know if Rodgers plays, he's going to be motivated to stick it to some people. And I never like going against angry Aaron Rodgers. But the reality of the situation is that this game means so much more to Seattle than it does the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is comfortably ahead in their division. They are going to be a, uh, a home team come playoff time. Yes, they're fighting for seeding. Yes, you can make the argument they're going for the number one seed. But I'm getting three and a hook with a quarterback that is top-notch, that I think is going to be ready to rock, and I am all over this. I love the fact that this line is being bet and everyone's taking Green Bay, yet it goes from five to three and a half all over at Seattle game two, and I might sprinkle a little bit here on Seattle to win the game outright. That's how confident I am in Russell Wilson. Well, you'll be happy to know that I'm going head-to-head with you. All right, a little uh, little heads up. Mono-a-mono, I I like it. And I love the Packers. I'm also taking them in one of my my, my other pools with the the numbers, the 3-2-1. This is my two-game. I love Green Bay here. Rodgers back. They should have won last week without him in Kansas City. That defense, that's a pretty damn good – you know, you look at the Packers, you don't realize how well-rounded a team they are. They got a terrific defensive football team. We saw that last week against Kansas City. They should have won a game anyway. You know, if not for uh, uh, some terrible special teams play in this game, they had a muff punt. They had two field goals missed. One of them was blocked. You know, they still would still probably win this game. Okay, so I, I just don't. I, I think they're a terrific defensive team. I think they're a legitimate Super Bowl team. They can run the ball with, with Jones. They can run the ball with that other kid Dylan, who's really been effective for them. You got Rodgers coming back. You're home. And I, I look. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no question about it. One of the top quarterbacks in football. But that, they're just not that good. This is not a good football team. Their defense is nowhere near what it used to be. They can't win a game at home anymore. I know they're on the road here, but they, they, they really, they've had all kinds of trouble winning at home. I know they beat Jacksonville at home. I don't think they won another game in Seattle. You know, they, they just have not played. They're just not this anywhere near the team they used to be. Uh, I don't love their offense outside of the quarterback. I know uh, Metcalf is great. Yeah, 
you know, obviously he's really good. But I like the Packers here, bro. I'm, and, and, I'm, and to me, I'm only laying three and a half in Lambeau. Give me the Packers. I'm going head to head with you here. I like it. That'll be a big swing game for the standings. I don't think there's any question about that. Game three, Joe, I'm taking a team that oh. I faded last week. We both faded the Vegas Raiders against the New York Giants. Yep, yep. Vegas had so much crap going on. Giants. It was. You're right about that. It was your only win. <laughs> I hated the spot for Vegas a week ago. I love mm. the spot for Vegas this week. They're at home. It's a primetime game. And if you go back to the two matchups they had against the Kansas City Chiefs last year, they beat Kansas City out Arrowhead. They should have beat them in a Sunday night game that came down to the wire that Patrick Mahomes pulled out of the fire. Yep, and a yep. dirty little secret, again with the Kansas City Chiefs, they're winning games. They've won the last two weeks. They've been very unimpressive. If Rodgers starts last week, no question. they lose that game by no, 20 no points. No question. Two weeks ago, the New York Giants easily could have and should have beaten them. And I think Kansas City is going to slip up here. I think the Raiders will be ready to go. I think the rate of pass rush, which is terrific, will make some plays. And I think you get a big bounce-back effort from Derek Carr. I'm grabbing two and a half. I don't think I need two and a half. Raiders going to win this game outright. That's my play. It's, quite frankly, my best bet of the week. I love the Raiders every which way. Look, you look at this division right now, and it's basically a, a four-way tie. I mean, you got two teams at the top at five and three. You got two teams right behind them at five and four. I think this is a, I don't want to say make or break game for the Chiefs because the AFC is so wide open. You know, nine wins is probably getting you in the playoffs in the AFC. I mean, I, I, you go nine and eight, I think you're going to make it. I, I really do, uh, at, at least as a wild card. But I think this is a barometer game for the Chiefs. I mean, Chiefs have not played well. And this is, you know, it's their all-time arch rival. You know, there was nothing better. You know, when I was growing up, there was nothing better than Raiders Chiefs. You know, the good Lamonica, old AFL days. Oh, oh yeah. my God. LaMonica and Dawson, Otis Taylor, and Fred Bolitnikoff, we could go right on down the line. You know, uh, uh, Willie Brown and and, uh, and Willie Lanier. I mean, it was just phenomenal stuff. All right, where am I? I know I'm back to game oh, I'm three. On my game three. I, I, I love the Bucks laying nine and a half against the WFT here. I, I, I really do. The Bucks. they had their bye last week. They're coming off that bad loss to the Saints two weeks ago. They are not losing to the Washington football team. I, I, I just don't see any way that's happening. I think Brady's going to have a monster game here. Uh, I, I love the Bucs in this game. It's, and to me, it's only nine and a half. They're winning this game by 17 points at least. Give me the Bucs. That was my best bet. It's my best bet of the week. I laid the three-pointer on that one. I'm taking Tampa Bay, laying the nine and a half against the WFT Redskins. I'm, 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 that's it. I can't fight you on that. I mean, Washington's been one of the worst teams against the number all year. Tom Brady off a bye. That's a yep. not messing around type and a of game. Loss. Tom, a bye and a loss. And a loss. That's also an excellent point. The only thing that scares me a little bit is that Heineke showed some spunk right. against the Bucks last year in the playoff game. I think that's the only thing that would give me reservation and hesitation. But listen, if I were playing that game, not right. fighting you on that, right. I'd be all over Tampa Bay. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings in game four, wow. Joe. And I'm going to tell you why. A lot of people are going to look at this line. Second wow. week in a row, I'm fading wow. the Chargers. So if I lose taking the, going against the Chargers again, right, I might right, be gone right, for right. a while. This line and this game just has nail-biter written all over it, doesn't it? These two teams always play games that come they down do. to the wire. The Chargers did last week. The Vikings did last week. The Vikings are going to be able to run it on the Charger defense. They're going to be able to put up points in this game. 
And I think they need this game. Their season is on the line right, after right, losing right. to Baltimore and after losing to Dallas. And with that final wild card, the NFC being wide open, this is where the Vikings, who are a classic eight or a nine win team, sucker you right back in. This is exactly the sort of game they win. And you know what else I like? They're going to have half the crowd in that building. Because yeah, no, their fans that. travel. Yeah, no, the Chargers have no yep. fans. Yep. Totally That'll agree. be basically a Viking home game. Yep. So I'm going to grab the three points, the more desperate team, and the crowd, and I'll combine that and take Minnesota and basically say my prayers knowing this game's coming down in the final minute. I, look, I, I tell you, you're 100% right about the crowd. You know, that place is going to be half, at least half Viking fans. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, you know what? I don't know. It's just, both teams to me are very, very weird teams. I, as Herbert's tremendous. You know, if you, if you just want to look at the quarterbacks, uh, Herbert's much better than Kirk Cousins. I'm not a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I don't love him. You know, they've had a lot of brutal losses this year in Minnesota, but you could look at them and say, well, did it, you know, you could say, well, it is close to being, uh, you know, I don't know, six and two, five and three, or whatever they are at three and five. Uh, but they find ways to lose. I mean, they're a team that's, that, that finds the way to lose the football game. It's only three. I wouldn't touch the game. But that's my overall. I'm just giving you my overall thing. I don't love the Chargers either because I don't, you know, the Chargers are a shaky team too. I, I, don't, I don't know about them. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't know about, about the Chargers sometimes. Full disclosure, Joe, we added this game in when New Orleans got bumped with the Kamara I news. Because yeah, right, I can't right. take New Orleans that. now if Kamara is questionable. Because you know what? Might. I could say I like him now. And then Sunday he doesn't play, and I'm going to feel like a total idiot. So I can't do it. All right. Again, here's my uh, my fourth pick. I like the Broncos at home against Philly. Uh, you know, it's it's only a two and a half point spread. Denver's Denver's another one of these teams. You know, they're sitting there at five and four. They start the year going three and zero. They didn't really beat anybody to get the three and zero. I mean, they beat the Jets that one game, twenty six nothing. So they jump out to the three and zero start. Then they lose four in a row. And now you're starting to say, well, you know, Denver's not any good. Well, now Denver's back's back. And now they've won two games in a row. They come up with a big win over the Cowboys. Now you could say there's a letdown. I don't look at it that way. They're going home. I just don't know how good. What is Philly? I mean, what are they? You know, they, they, they played a tough game against the Chargers last week at home. And I expected that they would. And they wound up losing a tough game late. Uh, you know, they, they killed the Eagles. I mean, excuse me, they killed the Lions on a road. If that excites you. I, I, I don't know. I think you're, I think Denver's got a good defense. I know they got rid of Von Miller, but I think they're still a pretty good defensive team. You know, Vic Fangio, he's a tough guy. He's going to have them, you know, ready to play this game. They are home. I like Denver. I'm only laying two and a half. And I don't I'm good at the Eagles. Uh, you know, uh, give me the Broncos laying the two and a half and all. I thought long and hard about picking the Eagles because I'm not a believer in Denver. I can't do it, though, Joe. After yes. taking no, the I, Eagles last week. In mile high? Come having on. to sit through that game. Right. I, right. I can't. Right. I can't. And right. Jalen Hurts against a Vic Fangio defense scares me. Right. Because of Fangio course. can make young, inexperienced yes. quarterbacks look yeah. rather silly. Here's what I'm doing for my final game. I'm laying Dead. the wood here. Dead. I'm laying the wood with the Indianapolis Colts, the 10 wow. and a half against Jacksonville. I think Indianapolis is a team that is built for second-half success. Mm. Jacksonville is going to be feeling their oats. They just beat Buffalo. They're on top of the world right now. Now they got to go on the road against the team that runs it great, the two-headed monster with Jonathan Taylor and Hines. You saw that firsthand against the Jets last week. If Wentz plays turnover-free football, this game is a three-score margin victory. I love the Colts. i take them if I had them in my knockout. Sadly, I used them last week. I will lay the 10 and a half. This has Indy Route written all over it. I love the Colts. This game, 
this game has gone from um, the Colts have gone from playing Vanderbilt to now playing Kansas. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, the competition has not exactly been, been brutal for them, you know. And, and, you know, it's like that Rutgers last week against Wisconsin. So I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that game. I think the Colts are ready. I think the Colts will uh, – it wouldn't shock me if the Colts somehow found their way into the play. I don't, they won't win the division. I don't think – even without Henry, I just think that Tennessee's a better team. I don't see it. They, you know, they're three games in a loss column behind them already. Uh, I just uh, – I don't, so I don't see that, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts got their way into the playoffs. Well, let's so be honest. I, the Colts and, and like are better said, in their record. In my yes, opinion, they yes, are better than their better. four or five record if you watch them play this year. They're better than their record. Taylor can run it. I don't love Carson Wentz, but they got a great offensive line. Uh, I guess Hilton's still banged up, right? I guess he's still not playing this week. You know, their defense is not bad. They, they take the ball. One thing the defense does there in Indy, they take the ball away, which is something I wish my defense knew how to do. But, you know, they can't even, you know, I mean, let, let's get near somebody. We're, we're taking the ball away. But so they do do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be here on Indy. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Indy make the playoff. For your final pick. I'm I, I'm going to Monday night again. I like the Rams. I like going the Rams back to the Ram well. Okay. Yeah, at San Francisco, I don't think it matters. I, I had the Niners last week. They lost to the Cardinals. They they, they made us look dumb. And we locked that in, getting them basically at one or minus one or plus one. Yeah. Murray right. doesn't play and it doesn't matter. We still lose the bag. Still get killed. You know, Colt McCoy looks terrific. Not not just not just Murray. Wait a minute. No DeAndre Hopkins, no AJ Green in this game, and they still they still dominated the game. I mean, the Niners were really never in the game. They had a couple big turnovers, uh, no doubt about it. What Ayuk had a big fumble in this game, and he could Kittle fumble too. You know, I, I I just don't think the 49ers are that good. And the Rams are coming off a bad loss at home. Let's be honest, the Rams lost a bad game to Tennessee without Derrick Henry. And again, Tennessee is a terrific team, but they looked bad in that game last week. Let's be honest about it. Tennessee made them look bad. I still think the Rams are a legitimate Super Bowl team. I really do. I still think when all is said and done, they're going to find their way to win that division with Arizona. Uh, and, of course, Odell Beckham. We forgot about that. Odell Beckham now, I don't I don't know what that means because, to me, Odell Beckham would you know rather be – I think uh, it's a bad thing for the Rams, quite frankly, long term. Because yeah, I think maybe, Beckham is yeah, an absolute maybe. cancer, and I think he has nothing left. Right. I think yeah, he has I think, nothing I think, left. I, I think Odell would rather be a presenter at the Golden Globes than uh, – 100%. You know, Hundred percent, or the Grammys, or, or any right. of the award whatever shows, known to man. Hundred percent, whatever it is. So I don't know how much an impact that is, but you know we do have to bring that up. Uh, look, I like the Rams a lot. I don't think the Niners are that good. Uh, I don't think Garoppolo is that good. We played a decent game last week, but the Rams are going to come back. You know, this is a big rivalry game. They're going to go into Sanford, into Santa Clara, whatever the hell they play those games now. And, and, and I'm only laying four. G- give me the Rams coming off that loss. I love them. To recap. I'm rolling with Seattle plus three and a half, Minnesota plus the three, Dallas minus the nine, Vegas plus two and a half, and the Colts laying 10 and a hook. For Joe, his beloved New York Jets plus 12. Heads up with Green Bay laying three and a half, Tampa laying nine and a half, Denver laying two and a half, and the Los Angeles Rams mm. laying the four. So, Joe, before we say goodbye, you and I on Monday – are going to have a little bit of fun That's because right. you are taking your show that is on right. the road, my, and I'm very podcast. happy. I'm going to be a part of it. So what do you got cooking on Monday, baby? Monday, we are going to be, uh, and, and Jay will be there. We're going to be at the Hackensack Brewing Company in beautiful Hackensack, New Jersey. And let me give everybody the address here before I, uh, oh, here it is. I knew I had it. Some of you. Yeah. Uh, it's at um, 
We'll be there uh, at 7.30. The show starts at 7.30. I'll be there around 6 o'clock, uh, whatever time you get there, 6.30, whatever I'll time. I'll be there at 6, too, because you know the uh, traffic from the city to Hackensack. Yeah, you idea. better be leaving early, otherwise right. you're going to get hammered, bro. That's you're a gonna good get hammered. idea. 100%. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's the Hackensack Brewing Company. It's a, I'm telling you, you got, they got 12 different beers on tap there. They got, there's all kinds of uh, restaurants in the area. If you want to get food, you can bring food in, whatever you want. It's going to be a terrific time. It's Monday night, 7.30. The address for those who want to come out is 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack, New Jersey, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. We're going to have some fun. I don't know if we're going to do a hardcore podcast. I'll do my normal podcast in the morning, but we'll do something. We'll have people have a lot of interaction with the fans and everybody. There's going to be a bunch of giveaways there. A bunch of my sponsors are going to be there uh, with a lot of giveaways. I know one of my sponsors, uh, Anita Tire, is giving away a full set of four tires. So there's going to be a lot. In a raffle Could you use those tires, by uh, the way. You can, add, especially and, this time of the year when right, I hit a pothole every other right, minute, you know? Right, right. Well, you can jump in. I don't know if they're going to allow you to do I that. I might not be I'm, allowed, you know? I don't know. But that's I don't okay. Know. That's I don't okay. Know. But uh, yeah, you're going to be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, hey, look, hopefully we'll be talking about a, a, a jet win and a dolphin win, which would, wow, be two major, I mean, which would be two major upsets if that happened. You want to throw that parlay in, Joe? If we throw that parlay in, Jets on the money line, Dolphins on the money line, I bet you 10 bucks will win us like 550 and maybe and, more and, than that. Uh, yo, please, please. By the way, I saw the odds for the Jets to win a Super Bowl today at 5,000 to one. So you could you can make a couple You want to go throw five bucks on that? The Dolphins, hey, the Dolphins are only 2,500 to one. So oh maybe, you want, maybe you want to go about into taking that money and basically either lighting it on fire right. or flushing it down the toilet. Hey, next week. Next week, the big, uh, the, you know, who's going to finish in last place in the AFC East Bowl next week? That is the, is the big showdown. And That's right. next year, this year I'm going to Giants Dolphins. Yes, next I know. Next year, in I'm Miami. taking the show in on Miami. the road. No, but You're going, Keenan's going. We're going to Jets Dolphins in Florida. Giants Dolphins in Miami, though. Yeah, Correct. But I'm saying next year, yes. I want you and Keenan yes. at Jet I'm Dolphins in, in South Beach. Go- golf on me down there, by the way, too. You know, I like the sound of that. I was going to say, we got to be nice and tanned for Florida, bro. Nice and tanned. I try to be tanned as much as I possibly can. Not not quite like my buddy Sid Rosenberg or, or George Hamilton, but, you know, I, I I try to stay tanned as long as I can. I think that's pretty much faded now. Now, I, I got to bring this up because this aggravated me last night from the Nick game. Did you watch the Nick game last night? Of course I watched the Nick game. Okay, what kind of host do you think I am? Let's be honest about this. Now, I don't know if the Knicks are going to win this game anyway. They come back from 24 down. Terrific job by the second unit. I, I love, I'm telling you, the second unit may be better than the first unit. I mean, you can't tell me that. Rose the, is better than Walker. I'll uh, tell no, you that no, without no, hesitation. No, let's be honest. He's better. Well, their best backcourt is Rose and Quickly. I mean, you could say whatever you want about Walker and Fournier. I'd rather have Rose and Quickly on the floor. Derek Rose, it's too bad he, he you know, he's can't play 45 minutes a night anymore because he is still a tremendous player. At and he's got balls to steal, too, which I uh, love. And, he's and now he's actually, he's actually become a three point shooter. He never really had any kind of outside shot. Now he does, but but that that's my point from the game last night though. Four point game with about three minutes, whatever it was, two fifty to go. Obi Toppin goes up for this, uh, you know, to try to slam one home, and uh, you know Giannis goes up and blocks the shot. They call a foul on Giannis. Okay, so what do they do? The Bucks, uh, what's his name? Boots they challenged it. Boots challenges yes. it. Let's be honest. And I know Clyde, and I was a little upset with Clyde last night because Clyde said, "Oh no, it looks like it's a good block." And Kenny Albert's trying to explain to Clyde, but, but Clyde, there is contact on the arm. Yeah, but it's it's not the arm that's shooting the ball, whatever. Let's be real about this. There was contact, okay? And if it was over, if the situation's reversed there, there's no way they're overturning that call. That was strictly the superstar, you know, the MVP, the, the reigning champion 
getting the call, that's exactly what happened. Now, I don't think Knicks going to win the game anyway, but that really did tick me off last night that they reversed that call. That was ridiculous. There was clearly should have been a foul. It was called a foul on the floor. There was clearly contact. Really aggravated me. And that was it. That turned the game. Well, it was a game-changing call. Did you have a problem with the starters, specifically Randall and Barrett, not getting back in? I didn't. Because you know what? The second unit got him back in the game. The starters were in. They were getting blitzed. They're down by 25 points. And, Joe, it's not a playoff game. In a playoff game, I'd say I want my best out there. Over 82 games, sometimes a coach has got to send a message. Hey, our best didn't have it tonight. Guess what? They didn't do the job. I'm sticking with the guys who did do the job tonight. I didn't have a problem with that at all. Look, their highest energy guys to me are the guys that come off the bench. Those are the guys. The highest energy guys they got. Quickly, Rose, and Toppin. Obi, Obi Toppin. High energy. You know, I, I, I like, I don't, I wouldn't want that, those guys start, honestly. I think that they're better suited the way Thibodeau is using them right now, coming off the bench, and, and we saw the spark last night that they had. I, I, you know, we saw that last night. And you're so saying I, that I, they're not as good as they were last year playing defense, but you no. mark my words on this. They will get better defensively as they the year goes to. along. And they had to make the moves and, that they did because, Joe, you watched that Atlanta series. They didn't have scoring. They had no shooting. They had this? to get more dynamic can offensively. I can, I say had to. can I say this? I hate the three-point shot. I hate it. Like the, the NBA has it is become, what it is. This though. is all, this is all it is now. It's all it is is throwing up three. And I understand. Look, these guys like Connaughton last night. He, I mean, you know, he was, couldn't stop him. Nice to put a body on him, by the way. Just even saying. what you call Grayson Allen made a big three from the corner to win this game. But it, it makes me delirious. The three point shooting in this league, it's too much. I mean, I just it bothers me. I, I look. I know I'm an old school guy. I'm a guy that grew up with, uh, you know. The low post center, I'm a guy that grew up watching all the great centers. You know, I saw Russell, I saw Wilt, I saw Kareem, you know, I saw Willis, I, I you know, I saw Nate Thurman, I saw all these guys growing up. And it was, you know, it, 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 back then, you know, if you didn't, you know, Dave Cowens, if you didn't have a great center, West you were not winning. You were not winning. winning. You didn't win. You know, now it's a, now forget it. The center is not even a, a real position well, anymore. And it's even a rim the protector. centers who it's were the top notch posi- position players, Jokic right. and other right. guys. They got to be able to shoot it. Well, and that's if you it. You can't but shoot it now real, as a but, center. You're right. useless. You're but they don't, absolutely they useless. Don't really, these guys don't really play back to the basket basketball. Though. That's my point about the, the low post centers, about the, the center play in the game. And the other thing that ticks me off too is that there's no, you can't play defense. I mean, you can't. I mean, that makes me nuts. I mean, come on. You know, I give me the days. Give me the days of Larry Bird. You know, flipping Kurt Rambis over. Will you? Can you give me that? You give me the days of the bad boys. Okay. Give me the days of Lane Beer and Mohorn. You know, beating up on guy. You know the Jordan rules against the Bulls. You know the, the Knicks of the '90s playing. You know the uh, uh, the the, uh, hand the Heat seventy-five, seventy-two finals. Loved it. Oh, the Heat, uh, the, the Pacers. Pacers. You know, get, I mean, it was like hand-to-hand combat. These games. That was that. That's that. And I'm never going to see that again. And it's all about throwing up threes. You know, it's the NBA is all. Look, I'll always be a Knicks fan. I'll root for the Knicks. I, you know, I'm watching them. I, I'm happy that they're. I just say team. you're dialed in. You were dialed in last night. I'm proud. Well, of you. I'm I'm happy they're a good team again. You know, it's it, there was such a disgrace for 20 years. You know, it just it's it, it make it, it breaks my heart how bad they were. Okay, and 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 even but 
so much of it now. You know, I got to watch and I got to see every freaking celebrity there is in anywhere near New I'm York. shocked, by the way, you weren't at Madison Square Garden for any of these games. You know, no, they no, put I, I, I have a hard time going because it's not about me. And they don't no, want me but you come, with, you come with me. Hopefully, we'll try to no, make no, it happen. No, no, no. The Knicks, they don't want me in Madison. They don't want me there. Okay. They, they don't want I don't the care. Guys. They don't want you there. I want you there. But you understand what I'm saying? The guy like me that's been watching the Knicks since, you know, 1962, who, you know, watched double headers in the old Madison Square Garden on 50th and 8th, they don't want that guy no more. They don't want him. The guy who's the blue seat guy, the blue seat guy can't afford those tickets no more. No way. That's, they want this. Those celebrity. aren't blue. The people sitting in the blue seats are not blue seat people. Let's Isn't be honest crazy? about it. You're not you wrong know, about okay? that. You know You're that. And, and so, and it's all about celebrity role and all of that. And I just, it bothers me. You know, the NBA is entertainment tonight now. So I, I have to say that, you know, as much as I'm a Knicks fan, I love it. I got the Knicks all over my basement here too. And you can't see it right now, but they're everywhere. I got you with the jet background for the most part. But, you know, I got everything. I got the Mets down. You got to see, one day you got to come down here. I need when to we have, When I we have that Dolphin, when that Dolphin Jet playoff game is, you come down <laughs> to the base. <laughs> you come down to the basement here in Jersey and, you know, and, but nevertheless. So that's my statement about the NBA. Um, we'll see. I mean, look, the Knicks can't win at home. They can't win at the Garden. What's their record? Well, Two I'm going to be there on Wednesday night. That better change when I'm in well, the building. They're okay? playing terrible. With the I boys. Me and the boys are going Wednesday night. That'll change. I knew they'd lose. I knew they'd lose last night. But I really felt they would because they, you know, they killed the Bucks in Milwaukee last week. So but can't they expect to beat that team twice. So basically, long story short, Joe Beningo loves the Jets this week and hates the three point shot. Fair? Yes. Well, I, I just don't like the the modern NBA style. We'll say that. How's that? Is that fair to say? That that will suffice. Okay. The great Joe Beningo. And so, next week we prepare for Jets and Dolphins. Oh How my about god! About that, bro. That's right. Get Dolphins. We may have to go with it. There won't be any family play in that game. Forget about the Manning cast. They should do the Beningo Jastrzemski cast for three and a half hours of that game. As Joe is taunting me with his Dan Marino uh, figurine. Yes. Dan for those of you who don't know because you're listening, he is taunting me right now with his Marino figurine. That's right. That's right. It's too bad we can't see this on TV. You know, you should got to up it. You got to talk to Simmons. Tell Bill, Bill, let's go. We got to get up it. Hey, Come we on. need to get Bill to talk to the networks. He has this sort of poll. He has this sort of cachet. Forget Manning cast for Sunday. Beningo Jastrzemski cast for Jets and Dolphins. I'll have, next, week I'll, next week, I'll have something. I want. It won't be a Dolphin next week, but I'll have something else special for you. Uh, you know, every week I think I'm, what I'll do now is going to pull out. You're going to surprise a, me. A, I like that. A new guy that will that that can be related to JJ. How's that? I like that. Is that fair? I like that. Yeah. All right. Make it a little more. I won't. I won't, pull, I, I won't pull out the Tom Seaver figurine. Okay. You don't have to worry about that. All right. All right. If you do, <laughs> more the Marion. Joe, I, won't I love you, buddy. David. Enjoy the weekend. All right, bro. What do we All say around here? All the love. I'll see good, you Monday at Hackensack. Good luck to Miami. See you Monday. That's right. See you Monday at Hackensack, bro. God bless. So we go from Joe B to the man who grades Joe B and yours truly from the Superbook, the Westgate, out in Las Vegas, our Vegas extraordinaire, the great Art, the Caesar. And Art, we said it was only going to be a matter of time before the books and the wise guys started cleaning up after what we saw last weekend and after what we saw tonight. With Miami as a massive underdog taking down the Baltimore Ravens, I think, my friend, we're in the middle of that renaissance. We certainly are, JJ. You know, and when you look at the previous couple of weeks, there were some public weeks. October can be a public month, 
You could start to see the public hit some games. Last weekend was one of the biggest weekends we've ever had. It was an enormous weekend for the books. Everything went our way. A lot of double-digit favorites losing outright. You start this week, big underdog at home, the QB issues. Ravens are going to be in everyone's teaser, everyone's money line, and a lot of you know stuff on the Ravens anyway, and a lot of stuff on the over. So when you get the dog and an under in a primetime standalone game, nothing but goodness for us over at the book. And don't you get the sense, Art, with so many of those square teases that were hitting early in the year. Like, I remember we gave one out, and I agreed with it. It was the idea of teasing Tampa down and, like, teasing Kansas City down. It felt like those were hitting every week at the beginning portion of the year. Now it feels like you can find one or two of those teams that are blowing it up like it's nobody's freaking business. Oh, absolutely. Look at me last week. I, I had the Rams. You know, the Rams took out my my teaser because I just figured it was a home team. Titans got to get up for another one of these games. I'm just going to tease it down basically to a pick them, and it's a free leg. No, no problem. I'll have to worry about the other one. We also a lot of times see that these numbers start getting built with teaser liability built into the number because of the teasers have become so popular. And the way underdogs have covered this year, basically at a 60% rate, you might as well just find the underdogs you like and tease them up and not have these let's put it under a field goal because a lot of these favorites are not covering this year. Let's get to the Week 10 card, my friend. Sucker bet of the week. That's where I want to begin. What, in your estimation, is the sucker bet of the week? It's one that we're going to have a big liability on. We've seen nothing but Charger money. And I've been a fan of the Chargers. I've spoken good about the Chargers and Herbert on this show. And I am a Charger believer. There's so much action on the Chargers right now. Everyone's going to look at them coming home. They get a good win on the road. Vikings have kind of been a mess. But we talked about the Vikings. You know, the Vikings have had these spots where they've looked okay. They're 2-0 and as a dog. Chargers are sitting at minus three. You got to pay the 120 on the minus three. We don't want to move off the three yet. With all the money on the Chargers, I think the Chargers is the sucker bet of the week. Well, that's fantastic news because one of my five plays for week 10, the Minnesota Vikings plus the three. In addition to that, Art, I got... Seattle with the return of Russell Wilson at plus three and a half. I'm laying the lumber with the Colts. I'm laying the lumber with the Cowboys. And I'm taking your hometown team. I think Vegas plus two and a half is a play that I will be all over going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. So how are we grading those picks out? Minnesota, Seattle, Dallas laying nine, Indy laying ten and a half, and Vegas plus two and a half. Obviously, the Vikings I like. We already just spoke about that. I know you've been a big believer of the Colts. So laying that number with the Colts, we've always said the Colts are better than their record. You know, Jags, they're tough to figure. Who, who the hell knows? But I'm with you there on the Colts. Cowboys, I don't know. I think that's a lot of points for the Cowboys to be laying. Obviously, they laid a stinker last week. They're going to be basically be a double-digit favorite again this week. I'm off with you on that. The Seattle one is interesting because we had Seattle – Plus five. A lot of sharp players came in, started buying Seattle, and it's bought all the way down to three and a half, basically thinking it's a free roll. Because with Rodgers, nobody knows. This test has to basically be the night before the game. So a lot of sharp players were on Seattle. I like the Seattle angle. I can see why you took it. And I'm with you. I think Vegas is going to have a very big performance 
coming back home. I think their crowd will be into it. The crowd will support them. Obviously, Kansas City two and seven against the spread. They never cover. I think Vegas is nice at home. You know, I you know you want me to pick Joe because every time I pick Joe, you have a good week. So I gotta wait to see Joe's picks, but I, I like understand. Your so picks. far it seems like you like a lot of my picks. Before I give you Joe's picks, I'm seeing a lot of the ticket count and a lot of the money coming in on Kansas City. Is that the case for you guys or not as much, right? Because you guys get Vegas no. money no matter what. For sure. The way, the way we look at it, obviously you can look at all the books around the country. I see everyone looking at the Chiefs under a field goal. Going to be a lot of Chief money. For us, I would say it's slightly shaded to Kansas City, but I'm going to call it a split action game. Maybe 55-45 shaded to Kansas City. Obviously, by the time we get to Sunday night, because it's the Sunday night game, we could see that totally flip or maybe even get to 65% you know, Raiders, because we always usually have a Raider liability, but the Sunday night game always is kind of what happens early in the day. But right now we're basically at a split action on that game. Fair enough. Now for the Benango picks and Joe coming off a very shaky one and four. He was red hot. He was bound for a little regression. He's going with his beloved New York Jets plus the 12. He's heads up with me. He's got the Packers laying the three and a half. He's got Tampa laying nine and a half. He's got Denver laying two and a half, and he's got the Rams laying four. How do you feel about the Beningo picks? Ooh, Jets. You know what? I, I actually like the Jet pick. I think the way you got to look at the Bills is this is now three weeks in a row. They're basically two touchdown favorites. Bills have not played well. They don't run the ball. Jets are two and six against the spread, but you know what? Both of their covers are at home. They actually play pretty well at home. Divisional game where you're getting you know, 12, 13 points, whatever he's getting. Mike White. I don't know. Is he pretty good? He might be okay, you know? So I don't mind the jet pick there. I'm into it. Tampa, that's going to be one where Joe's really going to be with the public there. Tampa coming off the bye. Everyone's taking Brady off the bye. The Redskins, you know, Washington football team have been bad. They're 1-7 against the spread. So nobody wants to back Washington in that spot. Man, Denver and Philly, that's a tough game to figure. I think Depending on what the number is in the contest, I'd actually feel more comfortable taking the Eagles getting the three. I just don't like Denver. I'm with him on the Rams. I don't think the Niners are any good. I think the Rams bounce back this week. Obviously, it's a road game. You got to lay more than a field goal in a divisional game, which sometimes you just don't like. And I know you guys are going head to head. I do like the Seattle lean a little bit more, especially because you get the three and a half. I'm slightly leaning your way. I know oh, you're going to no, hate to I'm hear screwed. that. That has one and four written all over it. Thanks, Art. Good to know. Good to know. Now, listen, we got to get you back on track, pal. You end up losing your tees. The Rams let you down. I know you're going back to that direction. Are you going to try and rethink things here with the way some of these favorites have been coming up small? I am. I'm not going to go favorites. I'm going to take teams that I think can be in the game. One of the teams we already touched on, I think, can win the game. So I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to do a two-team six-point teaser. I'm going to take the Jets. We have it sitting at 12. I'm going to take the 18. I'm getting over 17, two touchdowns and a field goal. I think the Jets will be in the game. I don't like what the Bills have done. Like Bills could end up by the end of the year being a team that's making a run at a Super Bowl, AFC championship game type of thing. But this is the middle of the year, and they have not played well. So give me the Jets plus 18. And I'm with you on Vegas. I think you get a big performance out of Vegas. So I'm going to take Vegas with six, make it eight and a half. So a two-team, six-point teaser, Jets plus 18. 
and the Raiders plus eight and a half. I'm in on that tease. You're taking one of Joe's picks. You're taking one of my picks. And hopefully we're looking at two winners, my man. So, Art, before we say goodbye, it's college basketball season. You know, yes, sir. that fires me up. I may have thrown down a small wager on Syracuse at 75 to one to win a national title. Cause you know what? It's just, it's fun. It's a lottery ticket and something to root for. Um, if you had a future that you like to get invested in that you could still get on board with, is there a particular college basketball future that kind of caught your eye? So absolutely. I actually have three futures of my own, but let me just talk about the board. Zags are the fave at six to one. No surprise there. I, I think they, they returned some people. They had a huge recruiting class. Gonzaga is now a blue blood. You're going to get a lot of these blue bloods that get a ton of money. So I can see why, you know, the teams that are always up there are up there. My three futures, now it's already moved. Kansas was 14 to 1. Very nice. We, I'm on Kansas yes. as well. Fantastic. Now, Fantastic. and we've already, we've already moved Kansas to 8 to 1. Now, Kansas returns. Their top three scorers, they get Remy Martin, the ASU transfer, who was a two-time Pac-12 first-team performer. Very good player. I like Kansas. Bill Self scares me sometimes. That's but the only thing that scares me. They yeah, never win exactly. big in a tournament. They, Aside they never from the been Mario win Chalmers year and the meltdown exactly. by Memphis, they never win yep. in the tournament. But- and exactly. They, sh- they shouldn't even have won that one. So Self scares you a little bit, but they have top, top talent. Two other teams that I put some smaller futures on. I just like the value. Purdue, ranked in Ken Palm's rankings. We all love Ken Palm. They're ranked fourth in his rankings. They're sitting at 20 to one. They're going to be the second choice in the Big Ten behind Michigan. I just like the value there. Basically, Michigan's 10 to one. So if I'm getting double and they're basically almost equal, I like that they'll be tested all year in a tough Big Ten. And then one way down the board, which is another team that's ranked in the top 20 in Ken Palm's is UConn. 100 to 1, two senior guards in RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin. There's just value at 100 to 1 there. They're the second choice in the Big East behind Villanova. I like rolling the dice on 100 to 1, especially a team that could get into the tournament and maybe make a little bit of a run. Before we say goodbye, for anybody betting college basketball in these like preseason tournaments or any of these games going on, it's really tough to have a gauge. I don't know if you feel this way. I like looking at the numbers a lot when I bet games. It's tough in the first couple weeks of college basketball because I feel like the books are are just so off on what these teams are. In some ways, they just don't have enough of an idea. We we absolutely are. And you got to remember too, JJ, college basketball is an extremely sharp sport. The sharp bettors are in right away. Public basically doesn't get to college basketball till January. When conference tournaments start, you know, conference play starts and all of that. So the sharp betters early on in the season, they clean up. You'll see totals move by 12 points. You'll see all of this type of stuff. So when you're when you're in early on college basketball, just remember there's money to be made because a lot of us as bookmakers, we have so many other things to do early on this season. You're right. It almost takes us six to eight weeks to really catch up and be back to where our power rating should be. Arthur Caesar, Westgate, Superbook, extraordinaire. We're rolling with his two team tees. I can't support UConn to win the title. I'm giving my long shot as Syracuse. <laughs> He's going to give his long shot as UConn. And who knows? Maybe we have two teams in the Final Four and we can hedge the you know what out of it. That would be fantastic, Art. Because I will oh, that'd be, be out, amazing. Little, little spoiler I will be out in Vegas for a bachelor party Final Four weekend. 
I remember when you were here, you told me and I told you that's one of the it's funny. That's an underrated weekend here because not a lot of people come here for that weekend, but it's still a great weekend because you got all the other sports going on. You got two great final four games. So that's and the weather's phenomenal out here at that time, you know, late March, early April. So that's a great time for you to be here, my friend. Or we will catch up next week and hopefully your blessing will actually bring me some good luck. Just saying. <laughs> Absolutely, JJ. We'll talk next week. Good luck to, uh, this weekend. Art the Caesar over at Westgate Superbook. Jeff Money right now is doing his thing. He did not have a great week nine. What does Jeff Money have in store for week 10? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. Here we are, week number 10 in the NFL. Okay, now as far as uh, my stats, as far as my... Uh, Money plays of the week for the NFL. I had another uh, winner last week, so that puts me at seven and two. As far as the week, I went two and three in first losing week in a while. I'm 24, 20, and one. Now, as far as I head to head, we didn't have any head to head last week, which is good. As far as our family plays, we were two and two. That puts us six and six on the year. And when we match up with our super contest plays, we went one and one last week, puts us at three and three. Okay, here are my plays for uh, week number 10. First play, money play. I like the Cardinals minus the 10 over the Panthers. Now, the Cardinals are 2-0 and against the spread versus losing teams this year. The Panthers, they lost five out of their last six games, including against the spread. So, game number one, go with the home team Cardinals minus the 10 is my money play. Game number two, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to a road team. I'm going to take the Lions plus the eight and a half over the Steelers. Now, the Lions are three and one against the spread between three and a half and nine and a half as a road underdog. The Steelers are 0 and three against the spread in the same situation. So, game number two, road team Lions plus the eight and a half. Game number three, I'm going with a home team. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts minus the ten and a half over the Jaguars. Now, the Colts are four and zero against the spread versus losing teams this year. No other side other than that. I'm going to take the Colts, minus the 10 and a half. Game number four, now a little fishy on the line. I'm going to go with the Browns. I'm going to go against the Patriots. I'm going to go with the Browns, plus the two on the road versus the Patriots. Now, the Patriots, I think they're due for a loss, like I said, in that line. To me, it's a little fishy. I'm surprised it wouldn't be maybe a little bit higher. So, give me the Browns for game number four, plus the two. In my final game, I'm going to go with the Monday night game. I'm going to take the Rams, minus the four on the road against the 49ers. Now, the 49ers, they lost five out of their last six, including against the spread. So we're going to go with the Rams minus the four. All right, read off again real quick, five plays. I'm going to go my first game. I'm going to take the money play with the Cardinals minus the 10. I'm going to take the Lions plus the eight and a half. I'm going to take the Colts minus the 10 and a half. I'm going to take the Browns plus the two. And on Monday night, I'm going to take the Rams minus the four. And as always, everyone can always follow my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Hopefully we got some family plays. Take care. Jeff Money, we do have a family play in the Indianapolis Colts laying the 10 and a half. You have a family play with Beningo with the Los Angeles Rams. Now, you gave out two games that I wouldn't touch. The Lions-Steeler game I wouldn't touch. The Brown-Patriot game I wouldn't touch. I'd lean Arizona, but one of these weeks, Arizona is going to have a stinker. That, that's my fear with that game. That's my only cause for concern. But hopefully Indianapolis will take care of business for the two of us. So before we say goodbye, fantasy advice with our guru, Jason Katz from the Pro Football Network. And Jason, I'm in a glorious mood after a Dolphin win. Not so glorious when you have Mike Gesicki, though, as your tight end. 
Yeah, always happy to be here. Um, I had Mike Kosicki in a league earlier. I got him really, really late, and I ended up dropping him after his zero cash performance in, in week one. I regretted it for a while, but like on this specific night, I guess I'm glad I don't have him. Well, they tried throwing him the ball a ton, seven targets, but no catches, no receptions, and that's the way fantasy football goes. And, you know, Lamar did not have one of his better nights of the year, make no mistake, but it just goes to show you how you can accumulate some garbage points in fantasy football. Because I look, and I still see Lamar Jackson in my fantasy league with 15 points. Like, not great, but not the sort of performance that absolutely torpedoes you, you know? It does show you the value of having that elite quarterback. Because a guy like Lamar Jackson, even when he has a really down game, 15 points, that's obviously not what you want from Lamar Jackson. That's something you can recover from. It's not going to just destroy your week entirely. It's not like he got you seven points like you get from a streamer last week if you stream Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones. The return of Russell Wilson, before we get to some start sits and matchup of the week, does that now take all of these skill position players to the Seahawks and boost them up one notch, two notches? Like, How much does it change the entire feel of Seattle fantasy football players knowing they got one of the top five or six quarterbacks back in action. Oh, it goes without saying it's a massive boost. Geno Smith was just there to just try and not screw up as best as he could. And he won a game that's pretty much the best case they were going to get. But I think for this this specific week, the biggest boost will be making sure Aaron Rodgers can return and we actually get the shootout that we all deserve. Let's get to the matchups of the week. We begin at quarterback. Who are we playing? Who are we avoiding in week number 10, Jason? I absolutely love Derek Carr this week. Carr has reached 20 fantasy points in five of eight starts this season. The Chiefs allow the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Maybe the Chiefs offense can wake up this week and we can get ourselves an old-fashioned shootout. Either way, Carr's getting his this week. On the other side... We are going to stay away from Kirk Cousins if we can. Cousins seems to like to alternate QB1 outings with duds. There's really no rhyme or reason to when Cousins pops. He's flopped versus bad defenses and excelled against good ones. The Chargers allow the fourth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. Cousins is coming off a QB1 week. And more importantly, the Chargers are a run-funnel defense, so we are going to get a whole lot of Dalvin Cook this week, which is what Mike Zimmer wants anyway. So I think you can fade Cousins this week. We move to running back, and you see the waiver wire. It's always hot and heavy these days. It feels like you're trying to find the next dude, trying to find the next solution. Bye weeks become a factor. So this conversation becomes that much more important, Jason. You can't screw this up now. Running back, we got to start him. We got to fade him. I, I feel really good about this one this week. I'm actually going to give you two for one because they're on the same team. Two we for are one. Going- Look at this bonus. I like that. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, we're starting J.D. McKissick and we're sitting Antonio Gibson. Oh, OK. Uh, let's let's see the logic then, my friend. I love McKissick this week. The Bucks are your classic pass funnel defense. Not only are they elite at stopping the run, but their explosive offense forces teams to abandon the run anyway. McKissick has been the lead back ahead of Antonio Gibson for three straight games now. Bucks are 10 point favorites in this one. Football team will be throwing. And when they do, they target running backs 24 percent of the time. I think McKissick is a must-start in PPR leagues. So if McKissick's a must-start, then we can go and sit Antonio Gibson. 
Uh, fantasy managers need to understand, even though Gibson was a late first, early second round pick, he is no longer an every week fantasy starter. He has become a touchdown or bust RB3. You should only be starting him in games where he's likely to score. And of course, the football team could always end up at the one yard line via a big play or a pass interference call in the end zone or something like that. And Gibson punches it in. Uh, but that is his only shot at fantasy viability. Gibson has not eclipsed a 42% snap share in his last three games. He's going to have about eight to 10 carries, 30 to 40 yards, maybe a catch or two. I think he's still super talented and I'm going to be in on him next year. But this shin injury is clearly a problem. It's just going to be a loss, a loss season for Gibson. Don't let him take your team down with you. Let's get to wide receiver. Um, it becomes trickier and trickier trying to figure out who's getting targets, who's getting looks, who's playing, who's not playing. Like I feel like these decisions are all so important, Jason. So, again, just like running back, you really can't let us down here. Who's the must play and who's the must avoid? So I had Emmanuel Sanders queued up as our guy to start, and I'm standing by him. I think he's got a huge bounce back game coming for the Bills in general. Josh Allen is coming off his worst game since his rookie year last week. Sanders still manages managed four catches for 65 yards. Uh, this week against the Jets team that typically limits wide receiver production, I think the Bills are going to just come out firing. Everyone in this passing game is going to show up. But I also want to add in a recent development. I'm giving you, I mean, This is a real two-for-one. I'm giving you two receivers, Tyler Johnson of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because Antonio Brown's not playing on Sunday, right? There's no chance Antonio Brown plays. He is not close to returning. There is no chance Gronk plays. He's not close to returning. And by the looks of it, we'll know this by the time most of you listen to this, but I do not think Chris Godwin plays either. Tyler Johnson played 64% of the snaps back in week eight, had six targets, caught five of them for 65 yards. I think he's the wide receiver two opposite Mike Evans if Godwin sits. And it could be a real sneaky start this week. You can probably pick him up now if, you, if, you, if he's still out there. On the other side, we are going to fade Cortland Sutton. Wow, that's I, one of our guys. That's one of our dudes. I love Sutton so much. He's so talented. But sometimes you just need to admit when it's not happening. He can still make the big play, but I think that's what he'll need to produce. The reality is he's just not being targeted. This season, in games where Jerry Judy plays, Sutton has averaged just three targets a game. Now that's obviously going to go up, but the combination of Judy's presence plus the Broncos' desire to never throw the ball unless they absolutely have to, make Sutton a low upside play. I think you can sit him against an Eagles secondary, allowing the fourth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. Jason, for our Twitter questions, one of them is quite relevant to the activities that happened today. Who will be more fantasy relevant down the stretch? Cam Newton or Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, I have been ragging on Odell Beckham all season. That makes two of us. No wonder I like. Uh, I, I I tweeted out what my rapid reactions were to the Beckham signing. I think Cooper Cup is going to be fine. There's just no way that Sean McVay will do anything to Cooper Cup based on how well that's working. Uh, I think Van Jefferson is just toast. Uh, Beckham is going to take that job. I don't think he should because my belief is that, that Van Jefferson is a vastly superior talent to Odo Beckham in the year 2021. Beckham's an all-time great uh, for those three, four years, but I, I don't think he's good anymore. Uh, but Cam Newton, he is what's what's he doesn't really run anymore. I think he's more of just uh, a floor-based QB two. That that 2015 Cam Newton is not coming through that door. It, it is funny that that he's back in Carolina, and and I'm I think he deserves to start, and he will start as early as week 11. Uh, but if I'm going to take a shot on one of them, it would still be Odell Beckham. 
The final one, this one comes from Brian. If Alvin Kamara does not play, what do I do with the New Orleans Saints backfield? Do I claim anyone? I mean, in terms of claiming somebody, Mark Ingram is probably already on a roster. Um, I do not believe Kamara plays. I, I think that I, again, this is purely speculation. This is based on me playing fantasy football for a long time and seeing so many players get hurt and having a general idea of how long these injuries tend to last. I think we're looking at a two to three week absence for Kamara with this knee sprain. Not super serious, but he's not going to play this week. I don't think he plays next week either. Then we'll see where it goes from there. Mark Ingram is going to be the lead back. And the next guy up is likely going to be Ty Montgomery. I don't think Ty Montgomery has any fantasy value. But if you are absolutely desperate and there is nobody out there, um, Montgomery would be the guy that stands to benefit uh, other than Ingram from Mara's absence. Jason Katz, check him out every week. Pro Football Network, he's providing fantasy advice, doing so free of charge. That's why we like you so much. You work cheap. We appreciate that. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to serve the great people that listen to your show. Well, listen, top-notch entertainment, top-notch fantasy advice. Bro, enjoy your weekend. Keep picking winners. We'll chat next week, buddy. Do my best. I look forward to it. Fabulous show. Great work by Cats. I'm in a glorious mood. I actually can enjoy a football Sunday with the Dolphins not playing and the Dolphins coming off back-to-back wins. What a time to be alive. Fellas, outstanding job. We're back Sunday night after the Mike White experience, after all the football. Until then, JJ, signing off. Be good, everybody. 